mathematic in half. Yes. Down two. Not down two. What? You said not two. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> you cut out two? Yeah. I probably wouldn't have if you had to say something. Oh, yeah. Okay, uh, open your Bibles to Hebrews 11, 4 and Proverbs 13. We use these verses and look at these verses to begin. This is part two, or actually part three of uh, Charles Spurgeon writing about uh, character, John Palmer, to help the common man of his time to be better people and even uh, Christians to be Christians. Hebrews 11, 4 says, He that being dead yet speaketh, and that be, in this case, Mr. Spurgeon. And then Proverbs 13, Proverbs 13 is a good verse to look at to give us some context about why we use some quotes of Mr. Spurgeon. Proverbs 13 and verse number 20, 13, 20, which says, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. What a contrast in that one verse. If you walk with a wise man or with wise men, of course they'll rub off on you and you'll be wiser. On the other hand, if you are a companion of fools or unwise people, then you have consequences as well. So we choose to walk with wise men, and though this wise man is no longer present, he is still speaking to us through his writings. And so we glean a lot from his wisdom from his writings about John Plummet. So tonight, three things. Patience, seizing opportunities, and keeping one's eyes open. So three main things tonight, and then I'll give some comment and some verses along with his quotes from John Palmer. Patience, patience. I have some blanks to fill in, so if you follow along line by line, I know you get the blanks filled in just right. And if you get 100% of it all right, then of course I will have something to give to you tonight. It's a hand clap. Number one, patience, number one. It is better than wisdom. An ounce, an ounce of patience is worth a pound of brains. How eloquent that is. Sometimes we put much emphasis on education. It's not bad to have an education if it's the right type. And then we, of course, believe that the Bible teaches we should be wise and not just have information in our heads. But Mr. Spurgeon here says something better than wisdom, and that is an ounce of patience. Patience is a good thing. It's a good virtue. Sometimes we, um, well, we get impatient. And what happens when we become impatient? We, we tend to make bad decisions when we're impatient. And we tend to, for example, buy something ahead of time. And we gotta have it now. Whereas if we we're patient, we'd get a better price, better deal. That has happened a lot in our lives. And so it's better to be, uh, have an ounce of patience. That's worth a lot. That's worth a lot. Number two, number two. Uh, oh, I want to say, don't rush um, into things or situations or in the case of purchasing maybe big ticket items, and then you won't have to repent. Uh, there's a saying that has stuck with me for a long time. It's better to prepare and prevent than to repair and repent, which makes a lot of sense. So patience will help us to not have to repent and not have to repair something. And so a decision or an action. Proverbs 14, 29 says, he that is hasty of spirit, exalted folly. He that is hasty of spirit, exalted folly. And so impatience leads to 
a lot of things that you wish you hadn't done. Sometimes when you're hungry and you go shopping, you buy things you won't not normally buy. Isn't that true? That's true. So it's a dangerous thing to go to Sam's or Costco when you haven't had your lunch or dinner. Because you tend to buy more than you need to buy. And then it just sits around and you wish you had bought something. So be patient. Number 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 two. All men praise patience, but few enough can practice it. We know that patience is a virtue. We know that faith is a blessing. And just like faith, we know we should have faith, but sometimes we don't have faith. We have doubt instead. And so same, in the same way, uh, few enough can practice having patience. And so we sometimes say, I know better than that. I, sh I, I, I shouldn't have done that. I know better, or you shouldn't have done that. You know better. We do know better about a lot of things, like having patience, but sometimes uh, we get very impulsive and we say and do things because we're impatient. Now, now, long time ago, long time ago, a long time ago, there's a tire place. Um, the name of that place, I forget, but it's the commercial. I remember, go now, Hawaii. Why wait? Buy more, buy. Go now, go now, Hawaii. Go now, Hawaii. Go now, Hawaii. Buy from our tires. And the emphasis is doing now. And then when you talk about uh, commercials and advertisement, they always say something like this. Even Christian institutions, organizations that are on the radio and TV, um, final offer, final offer. You have five minutes left. And then the sale is over. Uh, emphasis to get you to do something, take action, not procrastinate. But sometimes having patience is a virtue and we need to practice having some patience uh, when it is necessary. Number three, we expect more fruit from an apple tree than from a thorn and we have a right to do so. So here's my comment on that one. It's not wrong to expect certain things. It's not wrong to expect Christians to grow or children to grow or for us to develop Christian character. It's not wrong to expect something. So patience does not mean that you are passive and that you allow things to go on that's wrong or uh, growth is stymied or hindered because we have no, no goal, no vision. Uh, no expectation. So it's okay to have an expectation while you're being patient. You must patiently wait for things to develop. It's hard to do. All right. Uh, number four, impatient people. Oh, this one is really good. Impatient people water their miseries. I can see that in head, watering miseries like it's a garden. Impatient people water their miseries and plow up their comforts. Sorrows are visitors. Sorrows are visitors. They come without invitation, but complaining minds send a wagon to bring their troubles home in. Ah, that's that's too too real to be. Um, yeah, it's just a good one. We invite we invite sorrows to come. They're like visitors. We don't want them to come, but being impatient does that. All right, malcontent. Being a malcontent is supposed to be an impatient. Makes you feel ungrateful, unfulfilled. The grass is greener on the other side. It all works like that, and it makes a very stressful day or makes us, as I say, malcontent. Patience, number five. Number five, this one is kind of important. Number five, what can't be cured, what can't be cured must be endured. What can't be cured must be endured. 
if we cannot get bacon, let us bless God that there are still some cabbages in the garden. Well, this is an anti-American statement because Americans want things now. We must have a new this now. We must have now. We must, new now. Uh, this is more than just having a need meant. This is almost like keeping up with the Joneses kind of thing. There is a difference because needs mean that it is something that you must have. It's not just the desire to have something just because it's the, it, a year has gone by and you didn't need this. Need. No, no. Um, but uh, we do have this tendency to want new things because we can. And because others have new things, we have that. It rubs off on us if we're not careful. And so, but he's saying here, I think in this context, uh, you pray about something and if it doesn't happen, you learn to go with what you have or what you don't have yet. You go along. You, you just be content with that. And so the bacon part, the cabbage part, I like that one because you should be grateful for what you have and not unhappy because you didn't get something, but maybe you will next time or next week or next month. You say patience is a real good quality to have in your life. What, what can't be cured must be endured. Uh, another thought about that one, um, what can't be cured must be endured. What, what are some things that must be, that you want to have fixed, but it doesn't get fixed, so you live with it? What are some things that are just so where uh, it can't be changed because it is so, and you learn to live with it? What are some things? There's, there's something about every one of us that we don't like. There's something about me that I don't like. It's not anything bad. It's just something about me that's in my DNA. It's, that's how it is. I don't like it. But can't change it, so I have to endure it. Not in a struggling home, me, sad way, but there's something about everybody, every situation that is not ideal, but you live with it. Can you think of some other things in your life that you just got to put up with? Uh, I wouldn't say, you know, my husband or my wife or my wife is doing this. Like she's trying to raise up her hand. Go, yes. Other people. Because we all do, we all see in ourselves things that we dislike and, and probably a lot of it we could change if we worked on it. But I think for myself and other people that I know, we can see things in other people's lives that we don't like, but we cannot change things. And so we have to trust the Lord to do it in His time, and we have to be patient while He does. Yeah, I, 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 I do confess that that is that is I think like that too. And can I tell you something without you thinking bad? This is our confessional booth. But sometimes, if I'm irritated at something, usually someone, it's because I see myself in that person. And I have to endure that, but I don't like it because I see me in that person. It's a reflection on me. And I don't like it, so I, I get upset with that. But he says, and it's true, what can't be cured, I can't change anyone. Um, and so, you know, we should stop trying to change people to be conformed to how we think they should be. If the Lord changes them, then they will change. 
But what can't be cured must be endured. Uh, this is not to say that if you can change something, you should not change it. This is saying if you can change something, if you can improve an area of your life, you should work on that. You should not be delinquent or ignored or neglected because you say, well, that's just the way it is. That's a lame excuse for not changing something that you can change. So there's a real context in the dance to everything that uh, he has said. Uh, do all you can and then rest. If that's all you've done, that's all you can do. You can't change it. Um, I like my Chris, but there's some things about it I don't like, but I can't change it. If you ask me what it is, I'll tell you what it is. I don't like it about the car, but I can't change it. It has only one drink holder. <laughs> it has only one drink holder in the front seat. I can't put two. That is a problem. There's another problem. Uh, I feel every bounce. I feel every rock that I go over. Not with the camera. The camera, I don't feel anything. It's like a limousine. This is not like a limousine. It's like a, uh, an old wagon carriage, a Conestoga wagon or something like that. <laughs> I feel everything. But I can't change that. So I'm not going to fuss about it. Just be patient. Enjoy the car. Number six. We cannot by nature like trouble any more than a mouse can fall in love with a cat. The word is cat. And yet Paul by grace came to glory in tribulations also. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 7 says, I am filled with comfort. I'm exceeding joyful in all our tribulation. Second Corinthians chapter 7. Well, that's what Paul's talking about here. Matthew 5.45 He maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. So patience tells us that, uh, well, things happen and uh, in nature and in life, and we have to go through it. We have to endure some things, and some things are just so, and some things are going to be in conflict, and uh, some things will be hurting our feelings. Some things will be stressful, and yet we are weak. We become strong, and my grace is sufficient for thee. So we have to patiently endure the tribulation or the hardship or whatever circumstance that we are allowed to go through. We cannot by nature like trouble any more than a mouse can fall in love with a cat. That's not going to happen. And something's not going to happen. We have to be patiently going through. Now let's talk about seizing opportunities. Uh, Brother Spurgeon, Mr. Spurgeon says, number one, some men are never awake. Some men are never awake when the train starts. But crawling to the station just in time to see that everybody is off and they sleepily say, dear me, is the train gone? I think that is such a graphic image. Trying to catch up. Modern times would be running down to the airplane terminal to catch your flight and you're about to miss it because something happened along the way. You knew the flight was coming, you know that, you know that this is the schedule and so on, but something Somehow you weren't ready and uh, you missed the opportunity. So it could be very serious in some instances. And so little little things that happen uh, makes us makes us think, you know, I need to be careful about these things because it could really cost me down the road if, uh, something very important. So some men never wait. I put it like this. Some people are always tardy. Some people are always dilly-dallying until the very last second and then they scramble, the word is they scramble to catch the flight, they scramble to catch the ride, they scramble to get somewhere. And uh, they knew it was coming, but for some reason, they're just in their mind, not thinking about what's coming up. And so they have to really at the last minute,
scramble and pray that the plane will not take off without you. But it will. It will. And so, stop on here. You can't live without me. Oh, yes, they can. Oh, yes, they can. And so, hopefully, we learn in the home that what is said is what is meant. What is written is intended to be obeyed so that in real life or outside of the home, we take seriously what someone has said or what is written and we follow it and we're not going to miss out on some opportunity. So seize the opportunity by not being lax, uh, not being careless, not being faultless, not being serious about what is said or what is to happen. Number two, they always come into town a day after the fair and open their wares an hour after the market is over. These are about people who have things to sell. They hope to go to the open market, but they get there a day late. Open market is done for the day, for the week. And they miss out on all, they have a wagon full of stuff to sell, good stuff, but the opportunity is missed because they weren't ready for it. They missed the opportunity. Or they come an hour late and they miss an hour of perhaps selling some of their good things. Or, what time are you supposed to be here? Six to nine? Oh, I thought it was from nine to six p.m. Well, why, why, why couldn't that person get right? I don't know, but I think it's emphasizing be alert, be careful, so that you don't miss out on the opportunities. Seizing the opportunities. Well, number three, there are, uh, they are like people who miss opportunities. They're like a cow's tail, always behind. Always behind. He did have a sense of humor, didn't he? Number four, these slow coaches think that tomorrow is better than today and take for their rule an old proverb turned topsy-turvy, quote, never do today what you can put up until tomorrow. But while things move as fast as they do, the youngsters at home will have to fill their mouths with empty spoons. Uh, so here's a father who is negligent and he's procrastinating. And uh, of course his family suffers because of it. And so that's how you start procrastination tomorrow. The greatest labor-saving device of all time is the word tomorrow. Tomorrow I'll do it. I'll get it done tomorrow. So in this case, the consequences for not seizing an opportunity today is that your kids go hungry. Number five, never mind they say there are better times coming. Wait a little longer. Their birds are all in the bush and rare fat ones. They are plump in other words, juicy. And they are, and wife and children are half starved. Some, something will turn up, they say. Why don't the idlers go? Why don't the idlers go and turn it up themselves? See, they don't seize the opportunity. Time and time wait for no man, and yet these fellows loiter about as if they had a free load, free hold of time a lease of their life and a rabbit hutch full of opportunities. Well, if they would just seize an opportunity when it arrives, they would perhaps be able to feed their families and so on. All right, uh, Second Kings chapter seven talks about a famine 
and he talks about four leprous men that come to the gate of the city and they said one to another why sit we here until we die well they went in they said if I go we go in they see us to make kill us but we don't start whatever anyway so let's go inside take a rest and do something about it right now maybe this is an opportunity and so the idea here is to take advantage of what is presented number three keeping one's eyes open keeping one's eyes open number one to get through this world a man must look about him and even sleep with one eye open that's kind of difficult but it's figurative isn't it uh, I know of a man who could sleep standing up that's pretty unusual a man could sleep standing up of course he leaned against the wall but he fell asleep he was more than once he did that for there are many baits many baits for fishes many nets for birds and many traps for men this is about keeping one's eyes open being alert there are many traps for men like there are traps of birds and fishes while foxes are so common we must not be beasts in other words don't make yourself a target be alert to situations you learn about how people are how they think and the behavior and the the, the mo of people don't be so gullible don't imagine everyone is as good as you are or how uh, they are decent like you're decent one of the realities of this life it's not just this life but life since adam adam's fall is that people are not as nice as you are nice and if you're honest people are not honest as you're honest if you're law-abiding not everyone's law-abiding as you are if you are decent you have some moral standards not everybody has the same standards you have and you can't expect people to have that same same kind of values that you have uh, if you see a wallet on a bus seat what would you do you get it look around turn it to the bus driver you turn it in you would just take it or you would just go to pick up all the cash and leave it there and pretend you didn't do that because you're an honest person but someone else is not gonna do the same thing because they're not honest I just read about uh, Neiman Marcus in Canoga Park California they were hit with this smash and grab thing a bunch of people it was organized nine or ten getaway cars they were all dressed in black and they hit this four o'clock in the afternoon and I think it was a hundred thousand dollars or something some enormous amount of work that was taken and nobody stopped them well you and I would never do stuff like that but people will and I think there's reasons why but you have to keep your eyes open keep your eyes open be alert to people around you and situations around you because there are many traps many traps sometimes it is so innocent and it is it is very it could be something to ruin your reputation um, a long time ago you could give tracks to children and you could talk to them you could even come to a house the doors open kids are playing there you can talk to them and you can feel safe going into the door of the house and nobody's around you can't do that anymore it could be a trap someone sure is going to take your picture with their phone and a video they're going to say often things about you that's not true but you, you you walk into a situation where it's likely um, someone's going to use that against you and it's going to get into the news it's going to go viral nothing went wrong but it, uh, there's an appearance of evil and so it could be a trap um, fishing through the internet all kinds of ways to 
take advantage of people. Traps, be alert, keep your eyes open. Number two, some men are so cunning. Mm -hmm. They're so cunning. They're like good fishermen. They're like good hunters. They know how to trap animals. Some men are so cunning that they suspect everybody. And in this regard, some people are so suspicious of everybody and so live all their lives in miserable fear. In miserable fear. So, there are people who are so suspicious of people, their lives are in miserable fear of their neighbors. Others are so simple, on the other hand, that every knave takes them in and makes his penny out of them. So you have people that are so fearful of and suspicious of anyone, everyone, and on the other hand, you have people that are so gullible. They believe everything. They'll buy everything, buy anything, and they'll take everyone at their word, and they get taken for a ride. So you have two extremes in number two. So people are cunning, they're clever, they know how to, uh, uh, people are cunning in this regard, they suspect everybody, they suspect everybody, because we're told, keep your eyes open. But now we get to the extreme of being so suspicious of people, your life is just one of fear all the time. So don't be extreme is a lesson, don't be extreme. Be cautious, but don't be ultra cautious to the point that you have no peace, and don't be ultra careless that you are taking uh, advantage of. Number three. By the way, um, though everyone has an old nature that has fallen, not everyone is evil. Not everyone does evil. Fallen nature, yes. Sinful, yes. Not everyone is doing evil things. Remember Janice Lowe, Joan's mother? Oh, before she was saved, she was a very nice person, very helpful, very one of these community-type people that is always donating, always helping, just gave of herself before she was saved. But she wasn't a Christian, but she did those things. She was just a very nice lady. People like that all around. There's a lot of nice people that are not Christians, and they're not bad. They probably won't hurt you. They probably won't defraud you in any way. They're just nice people. They're, they're, they're a badge of honors that they are decent neighbors and they want to be a decent neighbor. There's a lot of people like that in this world. So we cannot be paranoid in either direction. Number three, drink nothing without seeing it. Drink nothing without seeing it. I guess that would be like saying, drink nothing unless you read the label. Now, most people like to drink things that are sweet. And uh, that's me, you know, growing up, sweet, sugar. Uh, what's that uh, corn syrup thing? Fructose corn syrup. High fructose corn syrup. Yeah, that's, ooh. But uh, read the label, you say, ah, I, I shouldn't drink that. Uh, the other day, what was the other day? Um, who were we with? I forget who we were with. Anyway, um, we were offered uh, soda to drink because the host was drinking soda. So we're going to be a good guest. I said, oh, yeah, well, we used to drink water, but uh, offered uh, two choices, Coke or Mountain Dew. Well, is there a less of two evils in Coke or Mountain Dew? <laughs> so I opted for the Mountain Dew. It was so good. I had two cans. It was so good. It was so bad for me afterwards. Oh man, I, I regretted being impatient. <laughs> All right, so drink nothing without seeing it. Sign, sign nothing without reading it. 
Oh boy, this is good advice. Sign nothing without reading it. And make sure that it means no more than it says. Number four, in any business, never wade into water where you cannot see the bottom. And don't jump into water too if you can't see the bottom. There are people that jump into streams and into the ocean from a cliff or something like that. I guess they must have surveyed the air to see where the rocks are. But sometimes there are rocks just below a foot two below the water and you just can't see them. You're foolish to jump in without checking it out. Um, now they jump off in uh, uh, the bay over in the North Shore. What's that rock called in uh, Waimea Bay? Well, they know where the rocks are. And people who do that a lot, they know where the rocks are. They've checked it out. But to jump into a stream, into a pool of water, um, without checking it out, that would be foolish. That would be dangerous. You can kill yourself. And so that's not bravery. That's foolishness for people to do that. Well, um, don't drink uh, anything without seeing it. Uh, sign nothing without reading it and make sure that it means no more than it says. And in any business, never wait into water where you cannot see the bottom. Good advice, Mr. Spurgeon. Number five, put no dependence upon the label of a bag. <laughs> and count, count money after your own kin. Nothing will ruin a family relationship like money. <laughs> oh boy. You know, money is a real temptation. Um, I knew of a family in Waimanalo where the mother was depending upon a caregiver and a niece. She was a living niece, but then they had no access to money. The brothers did. They didn't live on site. They lived elsewhere in the island. And so they're the ones who had access to the bank account. And uh, I'll just say $300,000. That $300,000, which was for appliances, repairs, mortgage, and things like that, and um, eventually got down to like, I'll say $1,000. Because the two brothers who had full-time jobs, pretty well off, they were using money from the bank account, 100 here, 200 there, 200 here, and the, the niece had no knowledge of that. And when it was time to do some house repairs and some uh, other things, there was nothing, there was a shock, and there was a lot of anger because of that temptation that people fell into about using money, and free money, they thought. And so, um, uh, count money after your own kin. Be careful. Be alert. Uh, Proverbs twelve twenty four says this about diligence and about keeping your eyes open, being alert. The hand of the diligent shall bear rule, but the slothful shall be under tribute. And that would speak about being careful and keeping your eyes open about many transactions and other situations in life. Number six, see the sack open. See the sack opened before you buy what is in it. For he who trades in the dark asks to be cheated. Boy, is that true or not true? That is very true. Never buy a car at night. Never buy a car at night. I almost did, but I'm glad I didn't. Because the daytime shows all the imperfections on the body. And uh, you want to buy a car. And then at night, you just you talk yourself into doing it. But the daylight shines and exposes every kind of flaw that you can see and you should see. So uh, he who trades in the dark asks for three cheap. Be alert. Keep your eyes open, he's saying. Number seven. Set the trap as soon as you smell a rat. But mind that you don't catch your own fingers in it. In other words, doing something good, but be careful. Uh, don't be careless. Don't be impatient. Take your time, and you won't get hurt. There's nothing 
more painful than having that ramp jack stamp on your finger and you put the cheese or peanut butter. I never could do that because I was afraid of always saying and tripping it, so I never want to do that. I'll use those pellets instead, let them eat it and get dried out and go die somewhere else in somebody else's yard. But uh, so good advice from Mrs. Spurgeon. Keep your eyes open, seize the opportunities, and be sure to have some patience. And that'd be a good thing. All right? Okay, any questions on that one? Okay. Thank you, Lord, for the wisdom that you've given to Mr. Spurgeon many years ago. It's still good advice for us today. We thank you that the books he's left behind, his writings, we can glean from it and be wise from it. We want to walk with wise men and uh, be wise and some of these things that we need to have in our lives. Good reminders for us, Lord. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.